0: The Tablet Show, Episode 10, with guests Rocky Lodka, Sergei Barsky, and Stuart Williams, recorded live Thursday, December 8th, 2011.
1: From thetabletshow.com,
0: it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to Rocky Latka, Sergei Barsky, and Stuart Williams about developing for Windows 8. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at T-E-L-E-R-I-K dot And now, here are Carl and Richard.
2: Thank you very much, and welcome back to The Tablet Show. It's Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell here talking about tablets, car repair, no, just kidding. <laughs> the zen of motorcycle maintenance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: Richard, how are you, sir? I am, you know, getting more tablets in my life. Of course, this is going to be by around Christmas time. So I'm allowed to admit that I actually bought my wife an iPad two for Christmas. Aren't you awesome? And the only reason I did, cause you know, one would, I could also hear shouts of traitor out there too, cause I'm generally not a, a much of an Apple guy. Uh, the reason I did it was an app. I mean, I, my, my yep. wife is serious into curling. So is my daughter. And mm-hmm. there are really good curling apps for the iPad that That's she just wants. That's so cool. So I have to cross the lines. So, but it's going to be interesting to have that in the house alongside some Win8 tablets. I think I can see a Kindle fire in my future too. So yeah. we're going to mix
2: and match and see if they don't explode. All right. Well, let's just jump right into Better Know Framework. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Okay, in WinRT, in Windows.UI.XAML.Controls, we have a new uh, control called a wrap grid. Mm -hmm. Get this. It positions child elements sequentially from left to right or top to bottom, but when elements extend beyond the container edge, elements are positioned in the next row or column. In other words, it creates the rows and columns on the fly based on wrapping. Awesome. How cool is that? So you put in, let's say, four elements, and they go, and let's say they're left to right. Put in the fifth one. Oh, it's not going to fit. It goes underneath the first one and creates a row, the width of whatever is the widest of those two. Isn't that cool? Yeah, and it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. We're going to ask our guests if they've used any of that stuff because they've got uh, quite a lot of experience with, well, probably more than any of us do, with Windows 8 so far, let's uh, bring them on in a minute. But first, Richard, who's talking to us?
0: I jumped back into the .NET Rocks website into the comment engine for show 705, which, if you recall, because I know you memorize all these numbers, was a show with Rocky and Billy talking about WinRT. It was actually what would become episode one of the Tablet Show. Right. And there's a lots of comments on that show because, of course, this was right at the beginning of everything. And one of them was along the lines of, is .NET dead? And there was some banting back and forth, but I really wanted to call out uh, Harry Steinhilber's comment because it was insightful, and I think it adds to the conversation we're about to have as well, which is, I think that a lot of this .NET is dead crowd failed to realize several things. One, HTML and JavaScript is one option targeted at getting new Windows developers. .NET developers are already writing Windows apps. Right. Two... WinRT was heavily influenced by the CLR. Great pains were taken to ensure high compatibility with concepts.NET devs already know. Of course. Three, WinRT and Metro-style applications are just one option. You can still write desktop apps using Silverlight slash WPF slash insert right. framework of choice. And four, WinRT is great for thick client development, but you still need full .NET framework for web development. Right. Anyway, great show. And I look forward to subscribing to the new tablet show. I don't know where you guys find the time.
2: Keep up the good work. I don't know where we find the time either. (laughs) Well, the secret to our production, believe it or not, is our staff. Mm -hmm. We have, we could not do the amount of shows that we do without Brandon Wen and Lawrence Ryan and Jay Franklin. Right. The three of those guys. Got to
0: call out KB too, because if it wasn't for her, the whole thing would fall apart.
2: Yeah. Well, those three guys do the editing and the publishing, uh, using our homegrown tools for publishing. And KB, Karen Bryant runs the office and makes sure that everything goes smoothly, that bills are paid and that Carl doesn't go to jail right. for not paying bills. So, uh, th- we have a great team here. Um, you know, it started out where I was just doing the editing myself and, and everything was fine. It was great, but I can see how somebody getting into podcasting without that level of support, um, would just get mired down in the editing that, uh, you know, it's got to be your job unless, you know, if it's not your job, then it's going to be a pain. Sure. So hats off to the staff. We love you and, uh, congratulations on all your hard work. So yeah, that that's that's quite cool Richard. I I have the feeling that by now the build hype has worn off. You know, the sort of the .net being dead thing is hopefully just an ancient relic of that era and uh, people are coming to their senses and realizing that you know, we have lots of new great things and this is just one of them. Yeah, so, definitely. With that, let's introduce our guests today. One of them was on the first show, Rocky Lotka. The other two, uh Sergei Barsky and Stuart Williams, are also with us and we're going to talk about their thoughts about Windows 8 development. Rockford Lotka is the author of numerous books, including the expert visual basic.net and C sharp business objects books. He is a Microsoft software legend.
3: <laughs>
2: a regional director. An MVP and an Inetta speaker, Rocky speaks at many conferences and user groups around the world and is a columnist for MSDN Online. He's the principal technology evangelist for Magenic Technologies, one of the nation's premier Microsoft Gold-certified partners dedicated to solving today's most challenging business problems using 100% Microsoft tools and technology. Stuart Williams has a Master of Science in Computing Science from California State University in Sacramento. He's been a part of Magenic for eight and a half years and today is part of management as a principal architect. Uh, he has a colorful term for that. I'll let him explain it. He was at Build and loves his Windows 8 tablet, and he loves.net. .net. Did we mention loves .net? A principal consultant for Magenic and a Microsoft MVP for the data platform, Sergey Barsky has worked with Microsoft Technologies since 1997 and developed a number of applications on the .NET platform. As an .NETA mentor for the state of Georgia and an .NETA community champion, he plays an active role in the Microsoft community. Sergey has written articles on software development and has presented at a number of conferences and user groups. He's one of the organizers of Atlanta Code Camp and an active participant in a number of local user groups. Sergey is the author of a number of small projects on Codeplex.com. He graduated magna cum laude with a bachelor's degree in computer science from Georgia State University and also holds the following Microsoft certifications. MCSD, MCPD, MCTS, MCDBA, MCAD, MCP. If you'd like, you can contact Sergey or would like to read his blog, visit dot netspeak.com. Welcome guys. Sorry, I got lost in TLA hell there. Hi, Rocky.
3: Hi, how are you doing?
2: I'm Glad fine. To be here. Thanks, welcome back. Stuart, how are you?
1: Hey, uh, likewise, glad to be here. Um, I wanted to disambiguate my TLA, which is Profit Sucking Overhead, or PSO. That's my
2: new title. (laughs) (laughs) And Sergey, how are you doing, sir?
4: I'm great, Uh, thanks thanks for asking. Well, great. I finished with my talk at Live.
2: Excellent, how did it go?
4: I enjoyed it, I don't know if anybody else did.
2: (laughs) Well... Uh, you guys have recently put out a white paper, which we have shrunk at tinyurl.com slash Magenicwin8, M-A-G-E-N-I-C-W-I-N number eight. And, um, this is your long-awaited white paper assessing the Windows 8 development platform. Tell us who, who wants to take the reins here and, and tell us the, the gist of what you have found so far.
3: Well, I'll start, um, First, in, in your, uh, introduction, you mentioned the, uh, that you hoped that the, some of the fear about .NET being dead, um, has faded since, uh, build. And, um, and, of course, Sergey is at VS Live now. I just got back this morning and, uh, having talked to an awful lot of the attendees at the conference, I can, Pretty much assure you that the fear is alive and well. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, there's and, a
1: lot of uh, there's a lot of fear, uncertainty, and doubt out there. When we talk to our customers, there's a lot of that too. So, ouch. The,
3: the intent of the white paper is really—I um, I don't think I want to state it—is that we're trying to reassure people because I'm not confident that would be prudent. Yeah, but but we are at least trying to—I um, think provide. Um, some formal clarification around the best of our understanding of, of what's going on. There's a lot of blogs and, and content on the web and that's good and, and a lot of it's quite good. Yeah. Um, but what we've found is that um, sometimes when you're a technologist and you're trying to talk to your uh, your boss or some decision maker in your company and you aim them at a couple blogs, they're like, well, yeah, but those are just blogs from random Right. Um, versus, uh, you know, more formal white paper from an established company than, um, has a little more gravitas, even if it says the same thing.
2: Sure. Your boss doesn't know who Miguel de Acasa is, for example.
3: Yeah. You know, and, and it's not as, you know, this isn't a reflection on the credibility of the people blogging. It's just, did you take the time to formalize your content, I guess. And I think in summary, what, what we've tried to put together is, um, well, largely an echo, of our understanding of what Microsoft said at Build, and um, uh, hopefully a more, uh, better clarified, uh, diagram than the Microsoft one describing, uh, the Windows 8 platform. Right. Um, their, their diagram caught a lot of flack, and, and, um, we've got a more detailed diagram that is similar, but hopefully conveys more Accurate information.
0: Yeah, I, I like your diagram because the green side and the blue side are equal, too. That there's the WinRT life and there's the Win32 life, and they both live happily inside of Windows 8.
2: Well, you also have Chakra in there, which we, uh, you know, in Doug 7's more clearly defined chart, which we've got on the wiki, um, we didn't have that in there. So that's nice to see WinJS and, and Chakra getting in there. Um, and reading through it, it's pretty much what we've been saying on the show and what we have in the wiki and what other people are pointing to, as you said. But uh, it it is... um, Well, it's speaking to different people. I mean, we've been speaking to developers. Miguel de Acaza speaks to developers. You know, our wiki is for developers. You guys are talking to business people. So I think... um, Well, technical business people, maybe. So this is a a good thing.
3: I do think that there's a lot of unnecessary fear um, I, I, I also think that there's some probably quite rational fear <laughs> that people can have, but um, I, you know, there's a great deal of fear that, boy, if I start a project now using WPF or, or using Silverlight, that I'm you know just sinking money into a black hole. Yeah. And, and I think that's not rational. No. Nope. Because Windows 8 totally includes and supports those technologies And Microsoft operates on a 10 year support, um, cycle. Sure. if If you're, if you're gauge that a technology is dead, um, is that Microsoft is no longer enhancing it in any radical sense, then Windows Forms has
2: been dead for six years. Right. And in fact, if you talk to a vendor of tools like Telerik or Developer Express, they'll tell you they sell more Windows Forms stuff than anything.
3: And Windows Forms is still very much supported, and in fact, it ships in Windows 8, so therefore it will get another 10-year lease on life, too. Yeah. Even though it has not changed in any meaningful way for six years, and probably won't for the next 10.
2: But it doesn't need to.
3: But it doesn't need to. It's done. In fact, I was talking to somebody earlier this week about WPF and Silverlight, and they said, you know, I think you can make an argument that the best thing that could possibly happen to those technologies is for them to quit changing Yeah, so that we can quit chasing them and actually
4: just use them.
2: Well, you know, but developers are funny people. We like to play with the stuff that's cutting edge and bleeding edge, and we like to be challenged and we like to learn new things. And, you know, man, if if I have to look forward to my career as being, you know, 20 more years of Windows Forms development, I might get bored.
4: I think there is truth to that too, yes. Yeah.
2: But I'll eat. I,
4: <laughs> well, my I, kids will go I,
2: to college.
1: The, I think, I think the compliment to that is, um, if, if you look at your career through the lens of a specific technology, maybe you're missing a bunch of stuff. I think True. there's, I think there's tons of stuff in terms of professional development, in terms of architecture and process and design, um, and, Speaking for the Windows platform, I think the unification of XAML through Windows.XAML is a huge deal. I think it's mm-hmm. going to make everybody's life easier. Um, so, you know, I, I think from that point of view, if you're writing WPF apps today, any number of people have done lots of blogs where they've taken their existing WPF applications. Um, for the most part, um, they've been able to change out some namespaces. Make some pervasive markup changes and do some other updates. And they basically worked. Well, um, and I, I we, think that's a message that's.
2: We should be careful about that though. I'm, and I'm curious as to why you use the word unification. I don't see XAML as unifying. I, I think it's common to Silverlight, WinRT, and WPF, but the implementations are so different that, um, I wouldn't want to give the idea that you can just rewrite XAML. For one platform or another.
1: Oh no, and I, I didn't mean to imply that. I guess what I was saying is, um, I, I think that the that that the the metro style of applications, which focuses entirely on an asynchronous experience, mm. is a lot closer to the Silverlight programming model. Yeah, and that I think that in that 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 is a good thing, right? That there's there's there are application architecture and design themes that are becoming pervasive, um, and and it yes. makes me wonder about in the future if WPF, for example, is going to get some love along that kind of unif- potential unification timeline to maybe bring some of those programming model things as being, you know, the pervasive model as opposed to, for lack of a better word, kind of a more synchronous or win for me kind of way
2: right well i think what happens is um that people will take their the patterns that they use and apply those where the patterns fit even though the constraints aren't there in other words after developing for win rt getting used to everything being asynchronous you look around you say hey this is a really smart way to develop i'm going to go back to my silverlight my next silverlight application I'm going to use async only, and I'm going to use the async keyword and the await keyword, and I'm going to avoid, you know, all this crazy threaded code and callbacks and all of this stuff and and, uh, and, and be a bit more Windows 8-like. Even though those constraints aren't put on me by the compiler, um, I'm still going to code like that.
1: Yeah, and I think that same developer experience can happen there's nothing that would prevent you, for example, in WPF from from going to a, you know, mostly async model. I think it's a mental way of looking at the design and implementation.
0: Yeah, guys, I noticed uh, looking at the the red blue diagram on the white paper that chakra shows up on both sides. Why don't we define what chakra is first? I'm not sure we did on this show. Yeah, I think that's important. Just to, why is it on both sides? Most people equate it with WinRT.
3: Well, chakra is the uh, JavaScript engine that's in IE10, right? And, and maybe IE9. I guess I'm not 100% sure what's in IE9, but and and it's important to understand that IE10 runs on both the Win32 and WinRT sides of the of the wall, mm-hmm. right? In Windows 8, and really the only difference is so there's a, there are two browsers. There's the one that runs on the green side and the one that runs on the blue side. And the only real difference is that the the one that runs on the blue side, the Win thirty two side, allows plugins like Flash, Silverlight, um your Google and Bing browser bars, and all that malware and all the other stuff that you might
2: have. <laughs> <Right>.
3: <laughs> malware.
2: Oh, I don't want to talk about malware.
3: <laughs> and the one on the green side, on the new Win side, it's the same browser. Um without the um plugins but plus uh, a whole bunch of uh, touch support and yeah. so it, if you look at it that way it's probably obvious that that since you can use JavaScript in ie 10 in win32 and in win RT that then the chakra engine would be there uh, right. in both cases
0: yeah because the chakra engine is really a, a JavaScript compiler that's right it's yep. more WinJS that's the interesting thing on the WinRT side, that now JavaScript has access to kernel services, the WinRT API services uh, in Win8.
3: Yep, and, and pretty direct access. That's the the interesting thing, um, especially for people that were um, in the whole COM versus Corva wars of, of the 90s, is WinRT really learned a lot from Corva, arguably, in that yeah. Microsoft has taken a, a standardized API that's metadata described and has used that metadata to, to generate JavaScript and .NET and C++ APIs into the operating system.
0: So they're actually different instances of the API?
3: Well, it's the same API, right? Because it's, it's actually, this is, you know, it's essentially the way I think about it is it's the new Windows operating system, right. <laughs> in a sense but they've created a JavaScript um, set, a, essentially a JavaScript version of the API, which is WinJS. Right. Just a, a thin uh, set of JavaScript that delegates all your calls um, into the real API, but it makes it friendly to JavaScript. And there's essentially a new .NET base class library. Uh, so your .NET code, written in C Sharp or VB, you Um, and and I would guess other languages in the future, um, have access to what looks like a .NET API. Right. Well, because it is, but it directly delegates into the actual Windows
2: um, operating system. We should mention also uh, and explain the acronym CORBA, Common Object Runtime. What is it? It's essentially middleware for pulling together components. Yeah, brokering um for pulling together components written on different platforms um if you're if you're just an an iPad or a consumer only developer you might not know what that is this portion of the tablet show is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik hey can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills i didn't think so so our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development automated testing agile project management and content management And we're talking free-free, not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework to free agile management tools and content management systems all of these and more are available to you for immediate download at slash free stuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to slash free stuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting the Tablet Show. But I think you you know you're getting to the
0: essence of the issue here,
2: Rocky, which is
0: there isn't a first-class citizen out of these development stacks to WinRT. They all have sort of equal access that Microsoft's learned from the past mistakes that showed up in things like Carva, where, oh, yes, we're compatible, but you really ought to use X.
1: Mm. Yeah, exactly right. The WinRT team parenthetically refers to what they did as a shim or a projection. I actually like the word projection better. Right. Because the API experiences are slightly different on all three stacks, but they're morally and functionally equivalent to each other.
2: Morally. Account. I like it. Yeah, it's that's very cool. They're they're sort of you can think of them as custom interop wrappers.
3: For example, and, and I don't remember the the particular control, it's one of the list controls, um, is actually named differently in JavaScript from the other from C Sharp or in uh, and C And my understanding is the reason it's named different in JavaScript is because the, the actual name of the control would have conflicted with some pre-existing JavaScript convention. Hmm. So yep. it it works the same. They just had to change the name to protect the innocent or whatever.
0: Hmm. But the, the days of data type mismatches and all of that sort of horrible API stuff, I think they've successfully insulated us from that.
3: Well, I think, it, too, it's, I find it particularly compelling because just looking back through um, my time in the industry, I think operating systems like Unix and then Linux um, really largely assumed the use of C or C++. Right. Mm-hmm. And yes, you could use other languages, but they were clearly second-class citizens because the operating system itself assumed the use of a whole bunch of uh, conventions based in C. Right. And... Conversely, um, I used to work on DEC VAX computers, and there the C and C++ languages were clearly second-class citizens um, because the operating system assumed the use of uh, Fortran or Pascal or a whole host of languages that weren't C. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, and and so it's, you know, .NET really started this, I think, um, you know, ten years ago by creating a largely language agnostic platform but even with that there was you know as we saw with ruby and python um, some first class versus second class type uh, situations
0: sure but i think the thing you ran into around the clr was in its essence the clr is an object-oriented runtime and uh, statically typed object-oriented languages are the only ones who are really going to function well in it. They had to mutate F-sharp to make it work, and they had to build a whole wing onto the CLR to make Iron Python and Iron Ruby work. Mm-hmm.
3: I think it'll be interesting to uh, see as we go forward whether or not things like um, Python and Ruby smoothly integrate into the WinRT side.
1: Mm-hmm. I,
3: I suspect they will because clearly a lot of work was put in to make sure that javascript was just as good as anything else in this new world and javascript um, is you know certainly although it has certain object oriented you know constructs it's it's not object oriented and static in nearly the same way that c# Sharp or vb or c++ are
0: well you're are right i mean the the whole thing is c++ and .net actually have a lot in common especially when you look at modern c++ being much more object-oriented and, and certainly always strongly typed. Uh, JavaScript is the odd duck there, although latest coding techniques make it much more object-oriented, even though you know dynamically typed.
2: I wonder if um, uh, a smart developer could implement Ruby, let's say, uh, on WinRT, or do those projections need to be in the WinRT layer themselves? in order to work.
1: Well, I was actually wondering if you could do a Ruby implementation under the covers Was actually using the JavaScript ship. Because there are certain language semantics between Ruby. Ruby is more restrictive in some ways than JavaScript. Mm -hmm. I I, I wonder if anyone's actually done the analysis to sort of figure out if you could build some of these interpreted languages on top of the extensions they did for JavaScript. Mm. which are extensive, right? I mean...
2: Hmm. Interesting.
4: I think with WinRT, Microsoft kind of leveled the playing field for all the languages that they are supporting. So yeah. if you're trying to plug a new language in, who's going to level the playing field for it? Right. I think without Microsoft being in a game, you write a wrapper of the wrapper, and then when do you stop?
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm leaning towards as well. Well, and it strikes
0: me that they've left out the sort of Python approach, the, the duck approach to things, very dynamic, mm. uh, that you're going to struggle with that. And in that sense, I think JavaScript, in some respects, certain styles of JavaScript are going to struggle to work against that WinRT API. If there's any bias at all, and I don't know that there is, that's where I would look for it.
4: I think a lot of it is about performance. So. Anything that will uh, impact negatively performance of WinRT, I don't think Microsoft uh, will necessarily embrace. Meaning that uh, if you have like another interpreter, I'm not sure that uh, in their terms is going to be considered a good idea.
0: But Sergey, wouldn't you? Couldn't you lay that at the feet of the whole .NET stack? Then that they've got that weakness in here. You've got a translation layer in the form of the the .NET runtime between WinRT and your language.
4: I think that's exactly right and I think that's why WinRT uh showed up to start with. I think they the uh, I am guessing now, uh, and it's my opinion, that Windows team looks at WinRT.net at uh, net as a necessary layer. I think that was to me was was would be one of the motivation to write WinRT to start with.
2: Well now we're talking about, you know, what where's the value? Is is there value in using in writing a native WinRT app because you absolutely need the performance, or is there value in using the tools that you already have code for and n- know how to use so that you can be more productive? I'm, you know, from what I've seen, I don't see that big of a difference performance-wise between the two, and the benefit for having the ability to write a WinRT application in C# Sharp or VB.NET is just huge.
1: Well, and there's just there's a monster surface of existing useful object oriented code in the .net languages yeah and more to the point um y- you know i think that there um you know there's a ton of existing application and corporate code that to one degree or another might be retrofittable to run on win rt sure but i guess you know the motivation is what would make you want to take an existing application when you know it's going to run on top of Win8 in the CLR just fine, right? Mm-hmm. And will continue to run on the CLR for a very long time, as Rocky pointed out. Yeah. What would be the what would what would you get? What would the motivators be for taking an existing app and re- essentially replatforming it to WinRT?
2: I, right. I, I kind of think it's a, just a programmer thing where we, you know, we want to get. We want the code to be as efficient and elegant as possible just for, you know, our own ideals.
4: I think another part of it is, is building different user experience. So uh, I think it's it's more than just developer tools to me. It's also uh, user experience would be another motivator. Because I guess you could write Metro looking app in Silverlight or, or JavaScript or using whatever another existing artifact you have. But, um, the WinRT based new UI, I think would be more seamless because going to the blue side, you'll have that effect where the whole screen will flash and refresh. Yeah. And to me, another part of it is the app store, which we haven't talked about, but the, and the story is a little fuzzy, but one is for certain. If you write in a uh, RTF, it will be part of the App Store. And I'm not sure what the story is for existing .NET applications.
0: But I don't know that migration's the main issue here. I think the debate is, I need to start a new project, and I'm deathly afraid that a year into this project, I'll have picked the wrong platform.
3: For my part, the way that I think about it is that Today, we're, what, two or three years into the Windows 7 lifecycle, and maybe 25 or 30% of all corporate desktops have moved to Windows 7. Yeah. Some huge number are still running Windows XP. Yeah. And they're going to probably move off XP to Windows 7, not to Windows 8. True. And so, to me, that implies that, you know, assuming Windows 8 ships sometime for the Christmas season of 2012 then in 2014 or 2015, maybe 30% of corporate desktops will be running Windows 8.
0: Well, and they may even skip it and go straight to 9. I think 8's really a consumer edition.
3: Well, it's, a lot of people are speculating that. And so I think it depends. If you're writing a corporate app, it's pretty debatable whether you should even look at WinRT at all, um, except maybe for some dashboard components or, or pieces like that, um, and you'd I would think just continue to focus on Silverlight or WPF. But if you're writing consumer apps, I think the access to ARM processors, the access to the Windows marketplace and so forth, um, are probably going to be compelling. And I also think Windows 8 will get adopted much, much more rapidly in the consumer space because it's the operating system that will ship not only on tablets, but on laptops and, and desktops, you know, with,
0: yeah, all new and machines will get it. Yep.
1: Yeah. Here, here's, here's my kind of other thing about, and, and saying that you're going to write an app in WinRT doesn't mean you're going to write it in the Metro style, right? Yeah. But as I visualize the different apps that we have delivered to customers over the 15 years we've kind of been doing things, um, it's hard to visualize corporate applications in the Metro style. In, in this, and an easy way to sort of parabolize that is, what would the Metro version of Microsoft Excel look like? Right? It's, and, and, and what would, you know, met the corporate apps that are heavily, um, you know, they have lots of grids, they have lots of forms, they have lots of filters. You know, I, I haven't seen a Metro style app that, that has the density of, you know, the typical corporate app. Does anybody want to comment on that or?
4: Uh- I think what you're saying, that it is likely that .NET will be here forever, or some version thereof, meaning that for business apps, .NET is just a better fit all around.
0: Well, I I think that's a jump. I think this is more of a UI issue, that the blue side will be around forever.
4: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, at that point, is there a reason to write a corporate WinRT app, your typical productivity app, whatever it is?
2: Well, oh, what about the question of, is there a better avenue to, is there a better language to technology choice? Get all things being equal. If you have a team that could do HTML, JavaScript, or a team that could do C sharp, or, uh, you know, a team that could do DirectX, is there, is there benefit for doing one over the other?
4: Not, not that I'm aware of. I think, and again, it's my opinion, the whole reason why there is a XAML uh wrapper on top of WinRT and uh a JavaScript wrapper on top of WinRT because Microsoft I think want to have as many developers reuse their skill sets as possible. Mm. Uh so the larger base of developers they have, I think the better off they are.
1: I I think it's a it's a picking the tool for the job. If if I was writing a consumer app that was a game I think I would gravitate towards DirectX over C++ on top of WinRT. If I was writing something that, you know, browsed Netflix or some other kind of OData data source, I think I'd gravitate to the HTML side. And for something in the middle, I think I'd gravitate to XAML. But what what do other people think?
2: Um, I, I don't. I can't comment because I have not used the HTML JavaScript Chakra side of WinRT. My as a .net developer, I could tell you that I would struggle with it and I know that based on what I've heard other people say who are in my position. So, I don't know that uh I could comment. I would try to I would try to use the the tools that I know, knowing that I could do any kind of Metro application with those tools?
3: I think the um, the HTML JavaScript uh, stack will have an interesting challenge. On, on one hand, Microsoft seems to be pushing it quite a bit, so it'll gain some, at least people are going to kick the tires on it. But your typical .NET developer, I, I think you, you said it very well, is probably going to gravitate toward C Sharp, VB, and XAML because we already know and understand that world and we really like it. And your typical web developer that does a little bit of JavaScript to give some extra, um, you know, animations and and nice user experience in a a web application will might struggle somewhat when they discover that this is not a web application; it's actually a smart client application Mm -hmm. and has nothing to do with the web at all. And so the only people I think. And maybe I'm wrong, but that I think are just going to naturally fit into the WinRT HTML development space are the people that are currently writing browser-based smart client apps like Outlook Web Access or Gmail or Yammer. Or I mean, there are a few out there, but they're not. It doesn't seem to be a widespread thing to write an HTML smart client app that gets downloaded um, to the client through the web server, and that's all the web server did for you.
1: So do you think that uh, Microsoft chose to have the HTML JavaScript path to make um, smart client development more accessible to web developers? Because I I agree with what you said. A lot of web developers know enough JavaScript to get by, but the, the, the rich object model... You know, and the jQuery artifacts and the Win, you know, the WinRT artifacts that you'd have to interact with are a lot more complicated.
2: My my opinion is yes, that they wanted to reach out to those non Microsoft developers. I don't know this for a fact, but my sense is that there are more HTML and JavaScript developers, if that's what you want to call them, out there than using any other language and any other technology, mostly because it's taught in school. You know, it's taught in college, and uh, it's sort of the default way that people learn programming these
3: days. No, I think that's exactly right, uh, although I'm not sure I would have slapped the uh, face of the HTML people quite so hard. But,
2: um, well, I don't mean that as a slap. <laughs> I'm saying there's more of them out there.
3: But, but I think that's true. I've heard the same thing, and yeah. I do think that's exactly what it is, is that Microsoft would like to uh, welcome that faction of developers and say, hey, you can you know, come and build Windows apps too. And mm. I, I think it'll be interesting because there, there are large groups of non-Microsoft people in the web world that would really like to see HTML and JavaScript. Um, and now I'm going to slap in the face, but grow up to be first-class programming language or programming platform citizens. You know, basically, why why can't we look at HTML and JavaScript on a par with Java and C# Sharp and C++, and all of all of a sudden you can, right? This, will, to my knowledge, will be the first platform where you can really um, say, yes, I can create a full-blown application that I can package up and deploy as a standalone unit um, using HTML and JavaScript, and all of a sudden. HTML is absolutely at a peer level with XAML, and JavaScript is absolutely at a peer level uh, with C Sharp and VB, which I think probably nobody would have an easier time arguing up to this point. Mm.
2: One more thing before we go. I'd like each of you to answer a question, and that is if you've been messing around with development on Windows 8, what are some of the, what's one of the coolest things that you've discovered or, or application that you've written?
3: Well, in my case, I've spent most of my time, in fact, pretty much all my time on Windows 8, trying to get at least a prototype version of CSLA running, yeah. and so I and and I have, and so I guess the coolest thing is that I would say is that, given time, as uh, UI frameworks and um, you know middleware frameworks like CSLA get ported to WinRT. I do think that it will smooth off some of the the learning curve. And and in my case, I've been able to take um, business classes that run in Silverlight and just recompile them into Windows 8 and they work. Yeah. And that's pretty pretty cool. I mean, I I think that really speaks to some of the work Microsoft has done um, in terms of building the platform.
2: Yeah, the non-UI code just compiles.
4: Yeah, exactly right. Uh, Sergey? I think in my case non UI code uh didn't just compile. So I ha- I have a little pet project on Coldplex, which is uh a Silverlight uh quote unquote database that uses isolated storage. And mm-hmm. I wanted to write something similar with WindRT because there is no data access in it. And it was an entirely painless experience. I think that's the best way of putting it. Okay.
3: Primarily
4: uh now that I hit, uh, data binding namespaces uh, change, which is expected, but I'm not sure how widely that is known, that I notify property change and I notify, well, I notify property change moved from one namespace to the other, and I notify collection change simply got dropped. It's still there, it just doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And the other part I struggled with was uh figuring out a sync file I got which wasn't uh, uh as smooth of a transition as I thought, even though I've been writing a sync code for a while, but it was definitely different, in my opinion. So uh, it was still fun, nonetheless. I spent a couple of weekends on that, and I enjoyed them. So to me, the best part is, is the fun that I have coding for Winempty. How's yeah.
0: that? Oh, cool. Very good. Yes. Stuart?
4: Um... I think the, the um
1: I really like the metro controls I particularly like the fact that um all of them if you if you can get your data into some like queryable format like odata or whatever um that you can really quickly build browsing experiences I'm kind of struggling with how to implement the ability to sort of filter and kind of trying to get my head away from paging a little bit yeah. um but uh, you know I think that there are Um, I think there's a lot of coolness to be had there. I think they spent a lot of time thinking about it. Um, And I think that the touch, some of the touch interactions will probably get better over time. I'm really looking forward to the next drop.
2: Yeah, me too. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much. It's been a good show. And um, I'd like you to come back another time and let us know what what maybe after the next drop happens, whenever that is, and let us know what you think. Thank you very much. All right, thanks. Thank you. Okay, we'll see you next time on The Tablet Show. It's
4: not too much mean
2: it's a lot.